So this morning we're starting uh, in 1 John chapter 1. We're going to go through all of chapter 1 today. So let me just open up with this. Each day there is more and more pressure on people of faith. I believe that. You see, this pressure, it's unique. It's psychological and theological all at the same time. You see, the good news is that the Bible is good news. That's the good news of Scripture. Also, the good news is that we can see in our uh, main text of 1 John that the early church faced similar issues uh, to us today. They face similar issues than to us today. You see, the battle in our minds is over, sometimes over, the authenticity of Christ. So let's jump into our uh, study today in 1 John. Let's start at John 1, verse 1. 1 John 1, verse 1. It says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of the Lord. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. What a passage of Scripture. What a passage. So we're going to look at a few things, and I want to just draw your attention. There's a lot there to cover. But we'll just look at a few things from verses 1 to 10. And then afterwards, we're going to share communion together. And I love that today, that we can share communion as a body of Christ, as, a, as his church, as we look to him. So our first point today is this, our relationship with God, our relationship with God. Verse 1 teaches us, if you believe God's word, you believe it was the beginning. His word is living, is breathing, and it was at the beginning. We've heard and seen his word, says the early church. We've heard and seen his word. The other church even touched Jesus, the word of life. It wasn't just word. It was physical. It had uh, life and breath, and they could see it, and he was the word of life. Because of Jesus coming in the flesh, we testify and proclaim to the captives the gift of eternal life. That's what it means for us today. You see, we know he came, so we tell others about it. That's why Jesus came for the gift of eternal life in our life, and that that we would tell others about him, about his works in our life. You see, we must center our relationship with 
Jesus. It must be centered on Jesus. He covets your attention. He covets covets your time. He covets your resources. That all of us would point to him always. That's why we center our relationship on him. It must take absolute priority in our lives. Jesus is demanding absolute priority of every single one of us. Out of our relationship with Jesus, everything flows. From him, everything flows out of our life. Our our parenting, our raising of children, our loving our neighbor, our work ethic, everything that we do, our our kindness, our gentleness, our self-control, our generosity, it all flows out of Jesus. You see, this is an invitation to relationship. That's what this scripture tells us. Our fellowship is with the Father. It's like the table of the king set before us. In uh, one of my favorite books uh, by C.S. Lewis, um, he talks about there being a table set. And in, in his book, the table is set, and it's, it's dead. It's not alive. Everything around it is dead. But the picture that's painted is the opposite of Christ. And I always remember it because as life comes into the story, life comes back onto that table in his book. And I think of Jesus and I think of God the Father and how he's prepared a table for you and for me. And that table is surrounded by the greatest people in history. And kings and kingdoms are represented at that table. I think of some of the most important people in our world, I use it in quotations, and they would maybe come to that table and submit themselves to the King of Kings. And as God sits with his children, we we see this image at this table of, of fellowship where he's just so proud that his children are together. Our, our, our closest example would be Thanksgiving. And how many of you with, parent, uh, with kids and grandchildren or whatever your situation is, you, you sit down at the table with your family and you're only filled with joy and proudness of your family and who they are. Despite all the secret circumstances, despite all that they've done to you, you still love them. You still invite them and welcome them to our table. And God the Father does the same thing for us. Song of Solomon 2 verse 4 says, He brought me to the banqueting house. He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me is love. That's what the word of the Lord says. You see, the Lord Jesus doesn't want anything but our hearts. He doesn't want anything else but our hearts. You, you, you and me, we've been invited to the table of the King of Kings. Think about that for a second. The the results of this relationship with the King of Kings, with God the Father, is simply joy. That's the result of our relationship. We tell, you see, we tell others about Christ because of the joy that's within us. I think today in a world filled with darkness, you don't have to search darkness. It tends to find us, doesn't it? And the truth is, is that this world filled with darkness needs more light and joy in it. 
It needs more light and joy. So as we look at the first few verses of 1 John, there's some principles that are taught to us. Firstly, it's this. He is the beginning. There's no other beginning but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. You see, God is eternal. He's before all things. He's before whatever mark in history you want to place. He's before whatever mark was the beginning. It doesn't matter what scientists say and philosophers say. He is the beginning. That's what the word of the Lord says. He's before all things. You see, God was physically manifested in Jesus, his son, who died on that cross as we watched just a moment ago. You see, Jesus was completely God. He was completely God, yet he humbled himself to become like you and like me. You see, God is the word of life. That's what this tells us. God and, and Jesus, the God Jesus, so to speak, is distinct from God the Father. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We learn that in this scripture. And then we learn that we may have fellowship with God. We may have fellowship with God. I've had some meals with some important people, or at least they think they are. And I always think to myself, how much greater when we can sit at the table of the Lord. How much greater. You see, when we think of fellowship, the church is the mechanism that God introduces fellowship to his children. This is how we fellowship together. It's not always simple. It's, it's dirty sometimes. It's messy but this is his mechanism to humanity for fellowship with him, that we can come together and be his children. One commentator wrote, he told us that this eternally existent God, the word of life, who was physically present with the disciples and others and present for fellowship, is God the Son named Jesus Christ. You see, fellowship with Jesus leads to fullness of joy. Another commentator wrote, observe the note of wonder in the apostle's language. Speech fails him. He labors for expression, adding definition to definition. Church, I find myself, if someone says, can you tell me about Jesus? I can't describe him because he's indescribable. I can't paint a picture for him because it's impossible. And sometimes, church, our words ache with groaning when it comes to explaining God the Father and the Lord Jesus. The Bible tells us that this is the perfect place for the gift of the Holy Spirit to speak through our mouths. Oh God, when I have no words, would you put words in my mouth? When we look to verses 5 through 10, we think of these things. Sin, first off, sin and our relationship with God. And then we think of sin and the nature of God. How does all this work together? You see, this is the message of God for us. The scripture says, God is light. In him is no darkness. If it's darkness, 
It's not from God. It's that simple. This statement of verse 5 is actually a claim to the authority that the Lord Jesus has. He is light. These words are written as the word of God. You see, this is God the Father speaking to you and to me. The word that he is light is a declaration for our lives, for humanity. We only become confident about what God, about God when our opinions and ideas are founded on what God has said about himself. Let me repeat it. We only become confident about God when our opinions and ideas are founded on what God has said about himself. I've learned one thing in life. I don't trust the word of someone that doesn't believe the words that they are saying. Why would I believe them? When we come to, and it's, it's common amongst believers that we find people and, well, I think this, but I don't know what God thinks. Let me tell you what he thinks. He is light. He is from the beginning. He is eternal. One commentator wrote, a good definition of God is, God is the only infinite, eternal, and unchangeable spirit, the perfect being in whom all things begin and continue and end. That's just the beginning. Another commentator wrote, light is the purest, the most subtle, the most useful, and the most uh, diffusive of all God's creatures. It is therefore a very proper emblem of the purity, perfection, and goodness of the divine nature. And finally, as someone else wrote, there are spots in the sun, great tracks of blackness in its radiant disk, but in God is unimaginable, un, uh, I can't say this word, unmingled, perfect purity. He's perfect, completely pure. You see, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. The scripture teaches us if we have a problem with God, the truth is it's our fault. It's our responsibility. Why? Well, pastor, how can you say that it's my fault? Let me tell you why. He is perfect. That's why. I've had problems with God. I've, I've blamed all sorts of things on him. But the truth was it was never him. It was me. It was those around me. You see, he is perfect. There is no hint of darkness in him at all. So we look at the sinlessness of God now. You see, it is possible for us to deceive ourselves and our relationship with God. You see, we can be saved, we can experience conversion, and re be repentant of our sin yet still not live with true relationship with God. Think about that. You see, if we are walking in darkness, we aren't walking in truth. If we're walking in darkness, we're not walking in truth. You see, this darkness that I speak of is a lifestyle of darkness. It's not a moment of darkness. It's a lifestyle of darkness. I've I've seen so many believers over the years come and ask for prayer again and again and again. And their situation doesn't seem to change. And finally, I begin to realize the reason your situation has not changed is because you are walking in darkness. That's why. 
You see, it's our responsibility. We, we can't just blame our difficulties on God. We need to accept our responsibilities, our actions. I thought of this. It means to know the truth but never be like it. That's what darkness is, to know the truth but never be like it. Here's an interesting and I would say disturbing example of this in our world. In 2004, the governor of the state of New Jersey was caught in a scandal. Though he was a married man with children, he was also having a sexual relationship with a man. At the press conference he held to, the, he, he held to admit this, he, he began by saying this, My truth is... My truth is that I am a gay American, is what he said. Those were very carefully chosen words. My truth. In the thinking of the world today, I have my truth and you have your truth. But Jesus said, I am the truth. And the Bible clearly tells us of a truth that is greater than any individual's feeling about it. Here's the truth about the word of the Lord. If I tell you it's not true, it doesn't change the fact that it is true. If you tell me God doesn't exist, that doesn't change the fact that he does exist. Just because I say something or you say something doesn't mean it's so. But when God the Father, when his son Jesus speaks, so it shall be. So it shall be. That's why we say our that his promises are yes and amen. It's because when he, <laughs> I'm preaching to myself, when he declares the word over our life, it is yes and amen. His words won't return void, oh God. <sighs> you see, blessings in the light of Christ. Walking in the light in step with one another puts the blood of Jesus upon us and cleanses us from sin. Walking in the light is the example of perfect obedience. You see, the Christian faith is all about our desire to be in the light, be in step with the Lord Jesus. You see, there was only one who was sinless. There's only one person who's ever lived who was sinless. But you see, church, we can be perfect in our obedience towards the Lord Jesus. We can be. We can just say yes and amen to him. We learn that the Christian life feeds upon contemplation, but it displays itself in action. If we're only contemplating, we're not living the full Christian life. God is active and walking if we fellowship with him we will also be active in walking with him when we walk in light that's where he is and church finally today as in a few moments we share the lord's supper together i thought it would be fitting for us to end speaking about the blood of jesus christ you see today i think before communion that we should close this way, talking about the blood of Christ. What continually cleanses us from our sin is the blood of Jesus. The blood that was spilt on the cross.
for you and for me. Just as we watched in that video earlier, you see, this isn't literal blood in this moment, but Jesus literally died for your sins and for mine. It was real blood. It was real flesh. You see, I've probably shared this before, but I think it's appropriate today to quote again. It says this, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. You see, Jesus' death is literal. It's real. But the blood of Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins, past, present, and future. That's what his blood was shed for. Reflecting on this passage of Scripture, I've had a renewal in my own mind of the meaning of the blood that was shed for my life. The blood that was shed for yours. The blood of Jesus doesn't just deal with guilt of sin, but the blood of Jesus deals with the stain of sin in our lives. The stain of sin could hinder our ongoing relationship with God. And this reminds us that not just today, but likely every day, we need to come to God with a plea that says, cleanse me, with the blood of Jesus. We need to be continually cleansed with the blood of Jesus to remove the stain in which sin covers our lives. I need him to continually cleanse me. Wash me clean, oh God. Oh, wash me clean. Often we focus on the sin in each other's life. We focus on the sin that is visible. We focus on the sin that we can see and we can hear and we can touch. But God has been reminding me, what about the sin that's hidden, that's dark? This week I thought about the sins of gossip and envy and jealousy and hatred. Those things that may not be always spoken but thought of. Those things that are said in darkness, not in light. Those are the sorts of things that we all need cleansing from. None of us are perfect. We're all, we've all fallen short of the glory of the Lord. But his blood cleanses the stain of sin in our life. You see, the blood is more specific than the death would be. For the blood denotes sacrifice. It is always the blood that is shed. You see, the blood of Jesus is the answer for our problem with sin. That's what the answer is. If we are to believe in the word of, of life and walk in the light of Christ, we must deal with our problem of sin. We need to come to Jesus for the cleansing of our sin, through his shed blood. I read this uh, statement I'm about to read to you in preparation for today, and I, I just wanted to share it word for word. It'll be up on the screen. You can't come to fellowship with God through philosophical speculation. You can't come to fellowship with God through intellectual education. You can't come to fellowship with God through drugs or entertainment. You can't come to fellowship with God through scientific investigation. You can only come to fellowship with God by dealing with your sin problem through the blood 
of Jesus. That's the only way. That's the only way. By the grace of God, church, we have the chance to make all of this right in our lives today. Today, in closing, I want to ask you this. Do you need to deal with your problem of sin in your life today? If you do, I'd like you to acknowledge. So we're going to pray in a moment. Today we're going to make an end to this problem with sin in our lives. And we're going to ask the blood of Jesus to wash us again today. So let's bow our heads. For those preparing communion, would you come forward and prepare it as I pray? But here's my question for all of us today. Do you need to deal with your problem of sin today? If you do, I'd like you to raise your hand. And I want you to know that my hand is raised first. But if you'd like to deal with the problem of sin in your life, would you raise your hand with me right now? Amen. Thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. So let's pray. So God, we look to your cross. We look to the blood that was shed for every single one of us. And God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would wash us clean today. That your blood would pour down and cleanse every single one of us. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. But today, O oh Lord, would you make us white as snow. Cleanse us from all the sin that is within us. God, deliver us from the chains of bondage that hold us back. And God, cleanse us. Cleanse us today, O oh God. Renew us today, O oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your bloodshed on that cross. Thank you for the reminder today, O oh God. So I pray for every life and soul represented here today that you administer to us in Jesus' name. Amen.